Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Hey! It's a birthday <laughs> celebration, he says. Oh, yeah. Can of coffee. <laughs> oh. that, that sounds like a great thing to celebrate with. <laughs> uh, so we are... <laughs> yeah. So we are here for Chris's birthday choice this week. Uh, we are covering... It isn't strictly horror, but, you know, fuck it. Um, oh, yeah, there will be spoilers and there will be swearing. Um, so we will yeah. be covering, covering the recently released film by Robert Eggers, The Northman. Yes. yes. So more on that shortly. But before we get all too excited and dribbly, Chris, what have you been watching? So I thought... Can't go for the third time and not watch anything, can I? So I, I ensured that I watched something, right? And I thought, well, what could I watch? I got there's tons of things I could watch, but I thought let's just you didn't open watch up. the Witch again, did you? Uh, it, the, the temptation was there. <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> or, or even the Lighthouse that that could have been a up for a second viewing, um, but we'll come back to that. But um, yeah, no, I, I thought well, I'll open Netflix. Let's just have a look, see what's on there, and and up comes Piranha featured. And I thought, Prana, that, that sounds rubbish, doesn't it? Like, it's, it's a rip-off of a masterpiece. It, it, there's no way it could be any good whatsoever, right? But so I thought, I'll just have a look. Why are they featuring it for me? Who knows? So I'll, I'll have a quick look up the details. And I saw that there was an original Prana by, uh, directed by Joe Dante and yep. written by Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, they've been mentioned a lot. I love Gremlins. That was probably a good one. I don't have that to hand. All right, I'm now going to just try the remake. Let's just see what they've managed to do on this <laughs> other t- uh, rip-off, potential rip-off of Jaws. Um, so I thought, well, I'm going to set my expectations correctly. Right? I'm not expecting anything. And, and as it started playing, I realised there's Richard Dreyfuss in it. Oh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, why would he be in a complete rubbish film that's ripping off something that he's done, you know, that he's just gone down in history as one of the best films, right? But he's only. In I, it. Will, I will stop you there, Chris. Go on. He did do fucking Bake Off last year. Did he? <laughs> so, so I think he's a loose end. It could, that could be true. <laughs> um, but I thought I'll just give it a go, right? And, and, and as it was playing out, I thought, yeah, this is, this is silly. But. As each scene was happening, I was like, oh, it's, it's quite entertaining. We've got spring break, tick, yep, okay. We've got crazy setup for the story. We've got some very entertaining characters, and it was getting better and better. And then it got ridiculous, <laughs> but still yep. quite entertaining. And then I was like, all right, how far are they going to push this gore? No, they are going to push this. This is just, <laughs> they, they're going all on, this is, this is just gore. Uh, mm. You know, it's, it is, it's gore and tits. It's, it's what you want in this sort of film, I suppose. <laughs> now, it's yeah. definitely not one I would have chosen, really, but I was just in that mood for just clicking play and seeing what happened. And I've got to say, no, I definitely don't feel like it was a wasted time. I definitely enjoyed it. I probably won't rush back and watch it. I won't highly recommend it to many people, but a few people I could recommend it to. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I remember correctly, I went and saw this at the cinema and Did then you? went back three days later with Dean and Adam to watch like, it. Yeah. You yeah. need to come and watch <laughs> right. it. That's it. Yep. With the <laughs> yeah. right people, a crowd watching this, that yeah. it would be a lot of fun. Half Absolutely. a dozen oh. beers. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's part it's party horror all the way. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. They 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 got it right. That's what they went for and they they achieved. 
what they set out to do. It was oddly refreshing as well because you'd got because you got so used to like, oh, well, we'll make a horror film of fifteen because we want to get mm. teens in. Okay, and then yeah. we went and saw this, and it's like, no, there's actual tits. <laughs> yes, people are getting yeah. their legs skinned off. Yeah, people are, you know, there's blood everywhere. It, it was and no holds barred. Yeah, it's yeah. it doesn't it don't really didn't shit about and it was sort of like yeah it was a refreshing sort of watch because mm. it was like no this is yeah this is a horror film this is a teen horror film you're yeah. not meant to be old enough to see to this, see it yeah. you will <laughs> yeah definitely because it wasn't because i think we saw it in 3d didn't we because it was because it was released as piranha 3d wasn't yeah it, it was yeah, yeah okay i mean the interesting uh, yeah, I didn't realise that, um, but then I did see the cover said 3D, and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can see that might have even added a bit more to this. This is perhaps quite a good candidate for just ridiculous over-the-top 3D effects. I, and, you know, I mean, the, the special effects, they're, they're not amazing. You know, the uh, the the 3D, uh, the computer-generated effects, uh, you know, they're a bit silly, some of them, but it's still, you know, you just don't care. You just, like... It's just fun craziness. There's still a, there's still a, a notch up from that sort of glut of Sharknado. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, no, it could be way worse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Peter Spanner or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I so just, yeah, so it's good fun. I, and again, yeah. it was one of those in the cinema where. Mm. Like the atmosphere was well, both times. The atmosphere was what everyone was hollering and laughing. Yeah, and it yeah, that would really. that would add to yeah. it even more. Yeah, definitely. fantastic film. Good call. Uh, don't yeah. watch. Yeah. Don't watch the follow up. Piranha three double three, definitely yeah. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that mentioned. Okay. Yeah, no. Save, save yourself the hour and a half and watch uh, watch the witch again because yeah, you won't <laughs> you won't enjoy it. It's not good. <laughs> but excellent, well done, um, Adam. I know you've obviously been uh, under the weather recently, but oh, have you managed yeah. to yeah. squeeze anything in? Um, yeah, a couple of um, couple of fingers up my bum. No, um, uh, I've I've watched. I finally managed to watch because this was so galling. Um, they finally released the BBC 1984 with yes. Peter Cushing. Yes. Finally, after fucking years of legal wrangles and bullshit and everything else like that, finally enough people have died <laughs> that they couldn't hold it back any longer. It's like, yeah. like when Stanley Kubrick died and suddenly it's like, do you want a Clark Orange? We've got three copies of it here. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't think they were that con- they was weren't as concerned as Stanley about keeping it out of the public gaze. So, but um, yeah, so finally that got released. Um, I, I I'm, and I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them out. I ordered it on Amazon. Amazon managed to lose the fucking parcel, and mm. then I'm panicking because they're saying, "Oh yeah, well you can get your money back." And it was like, "Okay, I'll reorder it." And then it said, "Yeah, available in three to five months." Mm. And I thought. Fuck you, bastards, because I know what they're talking. It's limited edition. Yeah. So, right, right. So that's three to five months followed by something we couldn't get it anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I went old school and um, HMV had it. So right. I, well, Claire very kindly rang up, reserved me a coffee because uh, a copy because I was doing my pieces. Um, and um, 
yeah, so I got I went and picked it up, um, but I only managed to watch it the other night uh, because I've been rough as a box of frogs. So, mm. you know, like a, a near two hour black and white 1954 adapt of 1984 was probably going to be a bit of an R. Yeah. Um, while, while my head was swimming. Um, but, I mean, it looks fucking incredible for something really? that's made that long ago. The film, because when it went out, it went, it was broadcast live hmm. and they had filmed inserts as well of like for exterior shots and things, basically to give people the opportunity to change their clothes or move to the next set or whatever like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those bits look like you filmed them yesterday. They wow. are incredibly, and even the sort of the older telerecording of like the studio stuff still looks amazing. Um, Peter Cushing is, you know, barely shaving. Um, Donald Pleasance is in it, and Donald Pleasance is both a child and yet already bald. Um, <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, and this is just a weird one out of here, but I know that you'll know who I'm talking about, Lee. There was a woman in it, and I was like, I bloody know her from something. And when I looked it up, she's the woman who, uh, she's the char lady who shares... Ralph Filthy's office in Filthy Rich and oh, Cat Flash. <laughs> wow. <laughs> As like the put-upon neighbour woman. Um, but, yeah, and um, still really good, still really um, just still fucking works. You know, it's mm. incredible that something that old, because, I mean, obviously when they made it, it, the book had only been out sort of six years. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't, it was pretty fresh then, but it's still... Yeah, still really holds up, and just the idea of what they would like. What I think nowadays is is like it almost works as a nostalgia dream for oppressive regimes, mm. where it's like, oh, if we didn't have the internet and we didn't have people <laughs> and people didn't have phones, we could we could still be doing this shit. We could still be rewriting history and claiming that we didn't say that and we did do this, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I recommend the shite out of it. And I'm counting it as horror because when they first, basically, because at the time the BBC used to do stuff live. So they broadcast it, they broadcast it one Sunday and uh, there were questions in the house. There was uproar. Yeah, all the newspapers jumped on it the same way they can do nowadays. But it was all like uh, BBC showing filthy torture. And how dare they put this on our screens? This is, you know, um, despicable, feel bad stuff just to make people feel terrible and blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, <clears throat> so they weren't going to show it the following week. Uh, then it turned out the Queen really liked it. So they were <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we will redo it then because her man <laughs> has given us the, given us the wink. Because I'll tell you what, I favour a republic, but our own dear Queen does seem to have pretty good TV taste. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and um, so they re they redid it and they recorded it because the first one went out live. They didn't record it. They just put it on. And it was only because they were restaging it that they took the opportunity and filmed it and we've still got it, which is mm. such a rarity of telly of that age. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Imagine they're highly... doing something and then we're going to show it again in a week's time. So we've got a completely reality yeah. entire yeah. thing. That's mental to think that it's, that was a thing. I mean... I mean yeah, but then I suppose it's just, it's at the time, it was like theatre. Yeah. You know, it's much the same as you sort of do it every night and 
and so on. But I mean, yeah, just they really, I think that it was a weird one because it was, like I say, it was, it was obviously a slow news week when, you know, everyone's moaning about what was on the telly on Sunday. But yeah, it sort of generated enough press that at, the, at one point the BBC were like, oh no, we won't do it again because it's been, yeah. But it's also, uh, uh, they've added a thing on there, which I've never seen before because I used to have it on VHS off of a repeat from like 94. Hmm. And so that went the way of all flesh mm. years and years ago, that did. Um, but um, at the start of it, they've actually got just a, the announcer is sitting down and talking, but it's so grown up. Mm. It's lovely. It's really refreshing because it's basically, right, we are presenting the play of 1984. It features torture. Uh, possibly the most important, th- and, and interesting, they take the themes from it because they're saying one of the most important things of this is the lack of hope that mm. this this leaves you with because of you, you know, as the story progresses and so on and so forth. And then it's basically so. Please make the decision that if you feel that there are members of your household who shouldn't watch this, including yourselves, please, you know, you know, don't don't watch it. And it's, I'm sure that was shown as silly pandering, though. Can't, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know, because, I mean, it just felt right, because it was just yeah, like, right, you know, we're, gonna show, we're showing yeah. this shit. We're not going to not tell you this. But we're just giving but, you a little heads up. Yeah, but yeah. on your head be it, mm. if you want to show your kids this, and they have nightmares all night, tough tits, because you've yeah. made that decision. <laughs> or, you know, if this is going to give you the EBGBs, don't do you think? It. Do you think anyone managed to get any of their kids to, to watch it? Oh, well, I mean, the interesting thing is, and it's one of the, my favourite aspects of 1984, is that there is, um, in it, he's got a neighbour who is very for the party and everything else like that, and mm. his kids are arseholes. <laughs> They're the most dreadful pair of pricks. Because, and at the end of it, I mean, kind of spoiler alert for a book that's been out since 1948, um, at the end of it, his own kids denounce him for thought crime. Yeah. And it's like, and, but he's so in the party and so in the mindset that he's like, well, the police don't make mistakes. They wouldn't have arrested me for something I didn't do. Mm. So I must have done it. God. And it's like this terrifying sort of thing. But again, it's like these kids are monsters because they know they have this power, mm. you know, that, that much as anyone does. I mean, the, you know, there is sort of, yeah. And it's a real sort of... Even now, I mean, I think it just is just brilliantly done and conceived. And Excellent. yeah. Cool. I have, um, got, I have got it, so I will be watching it. So hopefully I'll mm. give you my uh, thoughts because I don't know the story at all. So I'm going to be yeah. watching it afresh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this uh, week. So you've lived through oh, some of it, but yeah. aside from that, you don't know any of it. <laughs> Well, the weird thing is, is when you watch it, you will just go, oh, right, that's where that comes from. There's so many things. Room 101, Big Brother, Newspeak, Thought Crime, Thought Police. They're all from 1984. Mm -hmm. And you're like, at the end of it, it feels like, you know, like it's like when you go through Shakespeare and you realise how many phrases Mm. were originated in Shakespeare plays. It's that same sort of thing where you're like, oh, right, okay, so this is where that comes from. This is where that comes from and so on. So... Cool. I'm looking forward to that, Nick. Yeah, go for it. It's, uh, and Peter Cushing's just chef's kiss. Mm. I mean, he's just great in it. Um, the only other thing that I've watched is obviously Inside Number Nine is back. 
Yes, it is. And so, the second episode is horror all over. Wow. I, so I've good. Literally, I've literally just watched that before we started. And I am buzzing my tits off because that was <laughs> so fucking good. Um, I enjoyed the first one. It was a bit more sort of low key and certainly like more moving. Mm. The one with uh, Mark Gatiss. Yeah. Uh, in there as well because you kind of expect oh well if Mark's going to be in it they'll probably really ramp up the horror so I think it was quite nice that they were like that was their that was their twist almost that it was like no we're not doing a you know we're not <laughs> yeah. doing a grand guignol sort of thing just because he's here um, but yeah no that's that second episode Mr King was oh yeah yeah that's uh, right up there with the best of them absolutely Definitely. yeah totally blown away by that um so for me, uh, I, I yeah, I also watched obviously Inside Number Nine, um, and then last night we have a guest staying here, previous guest of the show, Aunt Maggie is here at the moment, um, oh. and following the last time she was here and came on the podcast, and I showed her um, Doctor Terrence House of Horrors, I said, "What would you like to watch this evening?" And she said, "I would like more of that, please." Mm. Uh, so we sat down and watched the House That Dripped Blood. Yay! Um, and uh, unsurprisingly enough, yeah, she absolutely loved it because it's such a good film. Oh, it's yeah. Oh, it's, that, that's one we've got to do coming up at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's mm. so much fun. So uh, yeah, so I'm really glad because otherwise I wouldn't have watched anything. And I've I've currently now left them downstairs this evening to watch The Wolf of Snow Hollow. So I'll oh, yeah, yeah. pull nice. back on how that one goes down. <laughs> um. Yes, so I think that's everything caught up. So again, we will reiterate, obviously normally we do older films, but we are doing something that is very current. So if you haven't seen The Northman yet, um, yeah. obviously we are about to spoil it. Um, but I think, because I, I, I was sitting with Jennifer discussing it this afternoon, um, and I sort of talked her through the story of it and said, you know, that... Mm. It, this film isn't about the story, it's the journey. So, so don't feel, if you haven't seen it, um, that it's necessarily going to spoil it to hit. I mean, Adam, you said, was it you who said, that this was the, the old story which Shakespeare adapted into Hamlet? Was it you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. did, yeah. So, it, so it, it's a well-trodden story, mm. but... Wow. Yeah. So, Chris, as this was your choice, take it away. Give us your thoughts on this. Well, I, I'd just like to say, what a great choice <laughs> I made. <laughs> I don't oh, often blow my, blow my trumpet, but, you know. Self-applause is no applause. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so, I mean, it was it was quite a step up in action. I was trying to think of all of the films that Robert Eggers has done. So, obviously, we've got The Witch, The Lighthouse, um, mm. I don't know. We've seen no, both of those. We haven't seen any others, I don't think, have we? That's that's it. That's, that's it. That's pretty much. It. It. He's done. He's done I, some shorts, I think. I think. Yeah, he's done but, some short films. In fact, yeah. oh balls! I meant to look that up. I'm sure he's done a version of Hansel and Gretel. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've got it on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. It was that was back in 2007. That was a yeah, because mm. it came up on I can't remember what website it was on. It came up on there, and then along it's probably still open as a tab on my phone, okay. along with like twenty two thousand <laughs> other things, including 
you know, Dr. Google answers off of pointless and so on and so forth. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it's lost in a very long stream. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, but, so this was a real step up in, in action, really. Oh, yeah. It's still, still, it certainly had the, you know, what, what is it, kind of lonely element to it. Um, you know, a lot of his journey was, he, you know, his, his whole experience early on, and then sort of everything happens to him. You're not exactly feeling at one with the world and, you know, a piece. It's, it's quite a harrowing experience the, most of his life. Um, mm. And that's why I think, um, you know, don't want to jump to the end and trying to think of not <laughs> fully spoiling it, but it, it, it definitely does go on a journey and you are with him and you do appreciate when he gets glimmers of, of hope and good and, the sort of the questioning aspect of what what choice do I now make, and obviously that, yes. that get that gets uh, intertwined with the um, uh, the witch and uh, and his prophecy from his childhood as well, and so it's yeah it is fascinating to sort of think um, even if they are essentially supernatural, you know you can still have experiences like that in life where you're like how do I sort of integrate this information into my, my sort of next choices so uh, yeah and no, i mean it played out fantastically um and some of the scenes were were amazing i mean it, it did I, I, like you said it was uh macbeth uh hamlet ha- sorry hamlet yeah I tend to mix those up yeah hamlet's essentially the story of hamlet um it did remind me of conan at points is that yeah i, th- I like, think i think a lot of it is there's i think is it's, that a, the mythology? I think there's sort of certain story. archetypes. There's certain archetypes. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the book, but there's, for example, I think. Uh, sorry, I can't remember the author of the book, but there's the the thing, uh, the hero's journey, mm, which yeah, okay. people commonly apply to um, Star Wars. Yes, um, yeah, which yeah, is, which mm. is the thing of you have like um, a young naive prince. Yeah. You mm. have an older advisor and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that they're, and people sort of pick and choose from those myths as they go. Um, but I think that this is um, quite, I mean, basically, it's quite an old folktale that is kind of, it possibly predates its. Um, its place in Viking uh, mm. or like Norse, uh, Norse folklore. It they think it might actually be. Um, they think it might actually be like uh, originally. Um, so where are we? Yeah. So they think it might be original- notes. Just mm. just checking my notes, which have um, extensive. I I tell you what, this is the one thing though is. I could have fucking researched this mm, yeah. for the next 10 years yeah. of my life. Robert Eggers is just he doesn't mess around. so good at that, you know, of because, I mean, that was the thing with The Witch, and mm. The Witch was kind of like a lot of it was stuff I knew or stuff that I was aware of because when I first saw The Witch, I was just so blown away by the fact that it was like, finally, this is like, this is... This is witch mythology. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not, you know, it's not sort of 
the ramped up version of it. Mm. It's not the sort of Hollywood version of it. This yeah. is all stuff that is it's about from, as authentic as you yeah, can make yeah. a film that from, aims to be entertainment as well. Yeah. yeah. And from that time period, mm. from the, the right sort of time period and the right sort of attitudes that people have. Yeah. But um, uh, I'd be tempted to say you did that in the lighthouse as well, because if I said to definitely. you, I'm, I'm going to make a film about two guys in a lighthouse, you're like, uh, how much are you going to get out of that? And yet he's made, you know, essentially an epic tale yeah. of, of loneliness in the lighthouse and adding to it sort of the myths of the sea and so on. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this was something that when, when I was sort of like going through it, because um, so uh, one of the things that sort of came up was about animal symbolism, because he uses it a lot. In yeah. All yeah. Okay. And for example, mm. this, and th but this is the thing that I found fascinating is when you look at it. So um, particularly with um, birds, um, like obviously, like in the witch, you've got the sort of transformations of the witch and stuff like that. But with, but it's all birds are very key in all three mm. of Robert Eggers' um, movies. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is, Robert Eggers puts them in the context of the mood and the attitude of the film and when it was based. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, with. Um, with the lighthouse, you had the seagulls carrying the souls of dead sailors, which is mm. like maritime law, which would be correct to people on a lighthouse, you know. So, so it sort of worked from that point of view, as well as the echoing the myth of Prometheus at the end of the climax, at the end of that. Um, obviously, I don't want to spoil the lighthouse for people because yeah. we, we, we've covered the witch, so we kind of a bit more spoilery already. So, um, that's funny, yeah. In my head, we'd covered like that's probably because you watched it talked about it i watched it and talked about yeah. it yeah <laughs> but but in um but in uh in the witch you have ravens um mm, yeah uh, like a raven features but in that time period and in that setting they would be associated with sort of satanic evil um well witches the occult that kind of thing so they are in the context of the witch, when the raven appears, it's only ill-omened. Mm. It's only, you know, it's, it only spells disaster for the family. Whereas in this, in Norse law, ravens are really, like, sort of... A um, powerful sign of... Yeah, they're, they're yeah. really highly esteemed animals because mm. Odin himself has two ravens that he sends throughout his realm to mm. report back to him of news it, it, i was from... say like, in, a, in a way the viking norse it's like their whole society is kind of dark in a way isn't it it's oh, like yeah, I mean, that's all except for whereas in the witch they're all meant to be like pure and good and godly and then the darkness mm. is the ravens it's but whereas they're almost the opposite like you know uh, vikings are almost all kind of a satanic type of it's it's the power Culture. that comes with it's the power that comes with it. But they but in Norse mythology they were they describe it as um, uh, it's totemic. Yeah, and basically mm. it's the idea of spirit animals of mm. animals that sort of define their characteristics. Mm. Um, and ravens were considered protectors and prophets. So in this they help Amleth. Mm. 
in his like when they threw him from his bombs and stuff like that. And so, weirdly enough, in the context of the witch, the raven will turn up and it's like, right, that's harbinger of things sure. going wrong. Whereas in this, the ravens are helping him and you know, helping the protagonist of the story. Mm. Um, and, it, and even down to the fact that I, I don't know if it is, it's not particularly clear, but um, his father's name is War Raven. Mm. Yeah. Like that's their family name is War Raven. Obviously, he loses that as he loses his family position and family name and has to go undercover for want of a better expression, you know. Um, and um, and similarly, similarly, like with the wolf spirit that is passed to him through the ritual when he's young, just before his father's murder, when he goes, when him and his father go through the ritual with um, Willem Dafoe. Yes, yeah. And that's where he defines him as the wolf spirit is what runs through their family. But mm. again, it's just, again, it's like, Robert Eggers is just like, it's just such a lovely sort of thing where it's like, you know, the, the definitions change according to what he's working with. Yeah. Mm. You know, and um, also, and this was very late in the day that I found this out. You know, there's, a, there's obviously the sequence where they uh, raid the village quite near the start. When you, when you first see Amleth grown up, when, when he um, turns and, into our friend Lord Al. Yes. Did you yeah. notice how much he looked like Lord Al? He does. He does, yeah. Well and, done, Al. Uh, Living down the gym, we can see that. From your <laughs> <room>. <laughs> but that bit where they're on the Viking long, like the, the Viking longboats, mm. um, <laughs> they were built as per Viking longboats. Wow. Robert Eggers was like, oh, no, we need to have the... So he had historical advisors in and, um, you know, like, sort of just to make sure that everything was correct. So they were built exactly as a Viking longboat would be built. And there's nothing extra. There's no super glue in there. They're not mm. held together with, uh, like... I don't know, like fucking tungsten or something like that. They are literally wow. they all, all the correct materials. Yeah. yeah. Historically mm. accurate longboats. Mm. And but then that's the thing is that they said, but the point is it goes to prove the the know-how of the shipbuilding mm. of um yeah, they were already the, pretty they advanced. Yeah. yeah. And and they Mm-hmm. cut through the water like that they said that mm-hmm. wasn't like you know that's not an effect that's not them being pulled by like by a motorboat or anything else like that that they literally got a crew of these guys including alexander Skarsgård, and they are genuinely rowing those boats wow yeah it's incredible it's all it's it's like ritual reenactment mm-hmm. yeah you know if yeah. anything, if anything, if Sapphire and Steel turn up, Robert Eggers, shit yourself. <laughs> you've obviously gone too, you've done it too well, you know, it's and time be, is going to break through. Yeah, it's got to be said, like like you said, the brutality of this as well mm. is, is very much mm. how you would imagine. As you said, that 
that village raid scene when oh, he's gone off and he's joined brutal. that gang. That was really difficult to watch. Like that yeah. was really mm. extreme. But in the, I, I think that's the thing. I think it's important to bring that context into it because that was Absolutely. what life was like at the time. Yeah. You can't yeah. you can't shy away from it if you've gone this this far uh, down the rabbit hole of uh, we're going to make this look and feel genuine. You've got yeah. to do it. But my God, it was harsh. And what I really yeah. liked about that was that we don't see him as just a hero. It is that whole time was you're both kind of good and bad because, you know, it's exactly. you've got to survive. And yeah, essentially everyone will do that to each other if they're in position of power. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing is that I think they were very, by sort of looking into it, they were very keen that they weren't going to, they wanted to dismiss like romantic notions of mm, the Vikings. Yeah. Without taking away from, you know, cultural, um, you know, cultural elements and the fact, you know, they weren't, they weren't purely just brutal, mm. you they know, like sort of demonized. Despite the fact what they were doing was horrific, as you say, Chris, <laughs> it, you, there was very much that. If we don't do this to them, someone's going to do this well, to because, us. Because who was it yeah. who was actually controlling them? I don't know if they'd, they'd been bought as kind of mercenaries at that point because someone was in charge saying, I just want the strong ones, and then they burnt down the house. But who was that mm. who it looked like the um, the armour they were wearing was the same as the village that they were attacking, and it was different to the Vikings. So it's well, like the I... Vikings had been we being used. The, the village the village that they attack is in Rus, which is now basically Belarus. Okay. Um, but that was so essentially it's like um, East Slavic, so it's kind yeah. of a bit Russia, Ukraine, um, you know, sort of Eastern Europe is that so that's where that's where that village is meant to be. It, and yeah. but but this was the thing is that they were you know, it was literally you had. They had, well, like any culture, they had art, they had, you know, religion, they mm. had, but they also were, you know, that was what it was. It was the power of who, whoever is the most powerful wins. Mm. You're in a such a brutal sort of period of time that it's. Because as far as I can tell, Amleth is meant to have been taken in by the group that he's with. So it's almost like he's been adopted. Hmm. Um, and But obviously not making it clear quite who he is. Hmm. Um, but I also think that it's the... There's the interesting... There's the interesting element that they... Um, like you say, they're only taking the strong and then it just becomes you know, like pillage, rape, murder, um, the barn full of burning children because they're no use. And you, you sort of see this savage... Um, what's that? the word I'm looking for? Is it, It's like, um, like a business mind. Mm. Essentially, you know, it's a very utilitarian, methodical sort of a thing where it's like, no, no, we, we just, you know, a prosaic sort of thing where it's like, 
no, we come, we get this, we do that. They're no use, kill them. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of mm. like, it's just utterly without any sort of, it's utterly without any mercy, but in a curious way, almost without any malice. Yeah. yeah. Because it's what, that, this that is what, what we do. That was what I was trying mm. to say. So when I said they're not demonised, they are, because what they're doing is horrific. But yeah, as you say, it's that, it, it, there's not, it's not a spiteful thing. It's a, we need stuff. So we're going to go and take what we need and what we don't need, we're going to destroy because if we don't, mm. it's going to come back to bite us. And I, I, you kind of get that impression as well with the, with the children and stuff. It is, it's that if we don't kill them, they will grow up to hunt us down at a later date, which is exactly what Hamlet is doing. So you do get that kind of feeling of, yeah. it's like a self-preservation thing. Mm. If we don't, wipe them out they will be the next lot who will come after us when we're too old to protect ourselves it's yeah as you say it's kind of i don't know it just felt distanced mm. yeah yeah but i mean but i think it doesn't the good thing is it doesn't shy away from that you see no. amlet walking around that village and he is monstrous mm. i mean that's the, the sequence just beforehand where they're going through the berserker ritual Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're sort yeah. of adopting their um, r- the sort of rage of the creatures and everything else. Like well, they're that. wearing the wolf skins because they yeah they wear the wolf yeah. like the pelts or the bear mm. pelts and stuff. Because I because I didn't realise this, but berserker is derived from the words bear and shirt. Mm. So it's basically yeah, wearing wearing a, the bear. wearing a bear's skin or wearing a bear shirt and, and taking on the soul of the bear and yeah, exactly because yeah. that's how they sort of interpreted yeah. what was uh, what they, they, they do it literally and spiritually exactly yeah. yeah but but when yeah I mean that is you know it's utterly you know it's utterly remorseless utterly terrifying mm. and. Yeah. Although, although when you say Berserker, it does mind me of Eric the Viking. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> <laughs> the Berserker. Yeah. Reminds me, reminds me of a particularly good Gary Newman album. But there we go. And also, and also there was um, there were Berserkers in Thundercats, but that's <laughs> cybernetic Viking pirates. But that's 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 for another day. Who knows? Um, it, 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 yeah, it, so, showed, it showed that panic in the village as well. It was that, oh, yeah, it, it, like although you were obviously following them and they were making the assault, they were the what they were the attackers, the aggressors on the whole thing. Like that sense of fear you got from the village of this has come out of nowhere and you know, trying to find places underground to hide the children mm-hmm. and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, yeah. you felt that panic in that village yeah. of we've got minutes to get you know, to get everybody we can to safety and get out of the way because th- there's no fight in this. Like, nobody yeah. in that village is in any way prepared for what happens to them. It's just yeah. mm. absolutely decimated. It's, oh, horrific. Yeah. And, and I think that's I think that's good, you know, is a good point to it, is that Amleth... It's, Amleth is the protagonist but he's definitely not a hero no in no way shape or form (laughs) because it just cannot work that way and i like the fact because apparently there's been a few people who are sort of like going oh you know there's quite this sort of like macho sort of fit and it's like i don't think you've quite 
got it. Got what it was about. Where, <laughs> yeah, where it's like, yes, it is quite macho, but in the sense of, yeah, this is what's quite rotten at the very heart of that expression of masculinity or whatever. Yeah. It's you know, it's sort of like there is no, there's uh, you know, I don't. Th- he's not going to become a poster boy. You no. know. You know. I mean, good-looking lad, but, you know, I don't think... I was going to say, yeah. oh, my God, he bulked up for this. He looked absolutely <laughs> monstrous, didn't he? Like, mm, yeah. oh, man. That is a physique that's just got steroids dripping out of his pores. <laughs> he just looked incredible. I'm not sure if it's steroids. I think he's trying to fucking move a genuine longboat up and down the river. <laughs> yeah. that, might, that might do. Yeah, I think, I think, but, no, I mean... Because um, apparently this was um, this wasn't so much Robert Eggers' idea. This was Alexander Skarsgård's idea. He oh, wanted really? to do it. Um, apparently, I've never seen. Um, oh, what's the what's the vampire thing that he was in? True Blood. Or uh, yeah, True Blood. Uh, he played a Viking vampire in mm-hmm. True Blood uh, called Eric Northman. That must have taken them ages to fucking think of that. Um, and I think he was kind of like, because it was like, for that, I think it was a much more the Hollywood standard of a Viking. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's aware of it from his own sort of heritage and everything that it's like, well, actually, I'd like to see what this actually entails and what this would be, you know, something where it presents it and again, it's that lovely thing of there's no there's no black adders in this. No. There's no one with there's no one with a 21st century brain. So no no one is sitting in there and it's like because sometimes you watch things and it'll be like, for example, you may have um uh, particularly sort of like horror films and like historical set ones, you might find that there's like a priest, but it's like, oh no, he cynically knows. That it's all a big fucking scam. Yeah. Um, but he yeah. uses it yeah. With this, there is nothing of that. No. Name. Everyone believes in magic. Everyone believes in the gods. Mm. Everyone believes, you know, and which is, again, such a sort of immersive experience because there's no one. There's no one taking a step back or saying, "Well, that's a trifle off," mm. yeah. or you know. <laughs> That was a, that was a tad sexist, Dad. <laughs> you know, it's just it's like no, no. Everyone in this is very much a product of their time and place. And mm. yeah, I yeah. just remembered the sacrifice. I'd forgotten all about it. That woman with the amazing voice, who at the end of her song, they just walk up behind her and slit her throat when they cut the head off the horse as well. And I was like, oh wow, yeah, like didn't yeah. see that coming. But you can see in her face when she's singing, like. I was like, yeah, she doesn't look comfortable. And I no. thought, and I was like, oh, she looks a little bit uncomfortable. And then I realized, I was like, oh, no, it's because the character knows what's coming at the end of the yeah. show. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's bad. But even, but even then, the weird thing is, is you would sort of sit there and it'd be like, would the character run away? Would the character? And it's like, no, because it was actually a great honor. Yeah. To yeah. Be yeah. Chosen for that sacrifice. I mean, and you were going to go on to, you know, an yeah. incredible afterlife. That's, that's what I was no saying earlier, is, is they are essentially all into witchcraft. 
the whole society mm. likes witchcraft and and yeah it's all part of it and it's a positive thing well it's not so much witchcraft but it's definitely is that oh, well the that, that is yeah, the north yeah. religion yeah mm. But, um, um, so I'm currently reading. I, I've I've just got to the end. I think I'm coming towards Ragnarok, uh, but I am currently reading the uh, Norse mythology uh, by Neil Gaiman, yeah. which is him oh, nice. basically retelling the the actual the fables yeah. that have come down of from Norse mythology, but him putting it together in a slightly more linear fashion. Um, yeah, and it's. It's really interesting. They are like that as well. It's all broken into small individual fables, but they're mm. all add, they're all coming together to add to it mm. to to reach Ragnarok effectively. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's just fascinating. It's been a really good read, so I really enjoy it. So anybody Excellent. who's watched The Northman who hasn't read it, go and check it out. It, it's a really really good read. I might have to give it a whirl actually, because I mean, I like I like. I like a, a, I like a well done um, mythology, but present rather than just the sort of a, a dry academic mm. sort of look at the things, you know. Um, but yeah, so I mean, as we were saying about with Hamlet, um, so this it, there's a, a Norse folk tale called Vita Amlethi, which basically means the life of life of Amleth, um, and really. You just take the H at the end of Amleth, stick it in the front, and you got Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. So it's not even, you know, it's not even a particularly sort of like uh, <laughs> imaginative way. Um, but itself probably came from an even older Icelandic saga, um, uh, and it they, there's the sort of thing where it might have been based on a real person, but it's so long ago and so unlikely to sort of have any. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, any sort of anything provable or anything. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, it was first recorded in writing around 12,000 AD, uh, uh, 1200 AD, not 12,000 AD. That's something I've just made <laughs> up now. Yeah, 1200 AD. Um, and interestingly enough, Amleth's, Amleth's father in the folktale, uh, King Horwendell, is himself a, a character who appears in other areas of Norse mythology. Apparently he has like an encounter with Thor at some point. So Amleth is kind of, even in the folk tale, is kind of mirrored with sort of the gods and, you know, supernatural events, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm. Um, and, in, I mean, in the story, I mean, I would say 100% more, can't watch the Northman, don't watch Hamlet because he's a mopey little prick. Um, I've got to I, say, I love, actually, while we're I making not Hamlet, no, I'm not, not keen. While we're making the reference to Hamlet, I, I did get a message earlier from previous guest on the show, Darnie, who we mentioned quite often. Mm. Um, he was just catching up and realised we were covering it, uh, and he said he very much enjoyed it. But yeah, it is the doom metal Hamlet, which I think is the perfect <laughs> explanation for this. If anyone needs a brief description, doom metal Hamlet, that's just yep. says it all, really. So well done, Darnie. Yep. But then, I mean, you've got, I mean, certain differences are there. I mean, certainly because obviously Hamlet's father returns to him as a ghost, um, tells him that his uncle killed him. There's there's an ambivalent attitude as to whether Hamlet's mother is involved, mm. um, which they, uh, something which they obviously make quite explicit in uh, in, in the Northman. Um, and um, 
But really annoyingly, I mean, Hamlet just decides to put on a play to make his uncle ashamed. <laughs> it's like, no, kill him in a fucking volcano. Yeah. <laughs> just so sort of, yeah. Um, but the one bit that really tickled me was when, because um, obviously you've got Willem Dafoe's character, the uh, the fool, mm-hmm. who's like the court, the court jester in um, and this father's court. Um then obviously turns up uh, his head, his shriveled head turns up later on, which is in Hamlet. There's obviously Yorick, yeah, which is the skull of the jester that Hamlet knew as a child, and sort of, yeah. And so I, I loved that little sort of reference in there. And again, don't know if that's something that comes from the life of Amleth or whether it's something that they then retrofitted in from. Hmm. Hamlet, but it's yeah, just a, it worked uh, amazingly well. Yeah. Very, very nice touch. Now you've also got in there. Uh, you've obviously we've got sort of so we've we've sort of looked at Hamlet's character. Um, then you've got um, his father. I mean, only sort of briefly, sort of from, at the start, hmm. um, who really is seen through a child's eyes where it's like oh yeah here he comes the the conquering hero father etc and then what later on obviously um nicole kidman's character like his wife then reports him as a very different Mm. figure and it's interesting that there's almost like similarly we like there is an element we like and 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 taylor Joy's character Olga, hmm. where yeah, she I think she, she falls for Amleth, but it starts much more as a I'm I'm going to hook up with you because you clearly are the most likely way I have of getting out of this situation. Yeah. Mm. Which is pretty much echoed with how Nicole Kidman's like basically, well, I gave him a son, and that meant that I became his queen. But he, up until that point, I was nothing. Yeah. Mm. And I had to put up with him essentially to, you know, and it's sort of, it's an interesting thing because, again, I think that whilst you've got a lot of macho sort of chest beating stuff going on in there as well, you've got an interesting. Um, like feminine, uh, the 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 amount of women in the film is unusual for something that you would be like, oh, it's well, like the Doom Metal Hammer, you know, yeah. and they and they're women with action, uh, but also they have learned they've they've had to learn to use their brain. Yeah, in a way, if you say, so that sounds really fucking awful, but like they've, no, no, they've I know to, what you mean. That yeah, they've, yeah, they've learned, they have to get through life, so they have to be smart and exactly one step yeah. ahead in order to survive this brutal lifestyle that's kind yeah. of going on around them. Where you realise quite how reduced you are as a figure hmm. by Nicole Kidman by becoming the queen. Gets a certain level of power or a certain level of lifestyle. It's still not anything like an actual good life. No, 
but it does. It's a com- it's a more comfortable life than if you're the fucking shield bearer or the you know like the, a, a maid or yeah. Yeah. A, you know. And and actually, I love. I think it's a weird thing because it's like Anna Taylor Joy's character, like Olga. He's clearly a witch yeah. because she refers to herself as using cunning, and obviously mm. they're like cunning folk is the term for witches. Um, and but she was like, but obviously she has a she has all the um, the knowledge of various hallucinogenics and forest medicines and things like that, which again is. Um, sort of like the the basis of of witches in terms of being a healer or you know or just having that knowledge there of what can work as potions or medicines etc um but i also absolutely just that bit where um uh, what is is his bloody name klaus bang's character because it's Vulnir, the brotherless. That's it. Mm-hmm. But when he when he comes in to essentially rape her, and then she just wipes yeah. menstrual blood in his face, <laughs> and it's like that's it. That was all he needed because they're so. Mm. It's to, to them. It's so, mm. and you know, just yeah. this sort of thing. It's just like that, and it's just such a fucking fuck you, yeah. <laughs> my fucking face, you prick. And it's sort of, you know, but it's... Um... I wonder, I mean, that shows, uh, I guess, the strength that she has because how many of the maids wouldn't even dare to do that? Yeah, to stand oh, yeah. up to... Because, mm. uh, because I mean, ultimately, if he throws her out, mm. she's in the middle of the Icelandic wasteland. Like, what is mm. she going to mm. do? But, yeah, the fact that she's she still stands up and takes that risk as you say, does go to show just how powerful uh, uh, her determination is that she's yeah. not going to bend to anyone. But it's also an interesting, it's an interesting symbolic use mm. of something that would be, oh no, you'd be shunned at this point because you are quote unquote unclean. Yeah. So at that point, it's more like she's almost like said, well, I've got, I'm plague. Mm. at this point if you want a bit of this there you go and he's too sort of uh, you know i mean admittedly anyone rubs menstrual blood in your face it's quite it's a shocking moment i wouldn't be happy about it when you're outside the taxi rank it doesn't get me in the mood no (laughs) but um yeah and i think that um but you've also got one of my favorite things in there is obviously Bjork playing an Icelandic mm. witch because you know because it's either because that's either genius or the most fucking obvious thing that anyone could do to do. <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, I'm going to say potentially that could be both, and I still like I like it. Yeah. Oh, it's really I, I don't even care. Like you know, it, and and just, uh, it was just and nice. Paul, I, just, I think she looked good. Oh, she looked amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about this looks so mm, yeah. good. I was going to say, when you were saying, about, you know, picking out characters, I think the landscape in this works mm. as a character on its yeah. own. It's just breathtaking. I mean, yeah. uh, the scenes where it's it's showing how small they are walking across those landscapes. So they've, mm. they've chosen mm. to show the landscape with them walking along right at the very bottom of the screen just to sort of give you this 
impression of how insignificant they are in that huge landscape. Uh, yeah, and Iceland just looks phenomenal in this. Mm. It really, apparently, really does. Apparently, Robert Eggers said that those shots were based on Last of the Summer Wine. You know, <laughs> you know, you see him on top of a hill. You can hear him talking. It was like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I didn't realise this because obviously, like, basically, Iceland became like a second home for a lot of like Vikings because Scandinavia had started getting quite restrictive in its laws and things like that and they were sort mm. of it, it was almost becoming oh, it's a dying art now you can't even turn up dressed as a bear kill everyone <laughs> nick their women <laughs> the fucking disgrace honestly um but iceland became sort of a potential sort of other settling area for them mm. but the reason that all the houses are dug out of the earth is because there's no trees in um iceland mm. yeah so, so initially the Vikings turned up. It's like shit. What do we build out of? Because <laughs> we haven't got anything. Um, so, but those houses are actually better than wood constructed houses and stuff like that. They're much more. You can repair them a lot easier, and they're a lot warmer. Which, yeah. let's mm. face it, you're going to be pretty thankful of in Iceland. Oh God, um, yes. So, so I think it was mentioned. It was freezing. Yes. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly enough, considering yeah. we went to Iceland in November. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of snow around, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, because didn't they said um, one of the Vikings in the group early early on, just after they'd attacked the village, and they said um, that Fjolnir has lost out because yeah. he just thought he'd taken over. So who was it? Who he said was it the French? No, no, I think it, I think it was an it was an it was another Viking king, but basically, oh, was it? yeah. Okay. He got. To, I thought he, he said it was another nation somewhere that had I'm not sure. come in, I'm not sure, possibly. I, th I think it was nation, as in that was how they would describe. So another sort of tribe, a, a tribe for, for okay. what, you know, it's like they they would be individual nations rather than, you know, they weren't all from. It was it like it's the the smallness of a fiefdom, really, mm. rather than. Um, you know, I was wondering like, if that was a hint at, at um, the countries being taken over by other countries, and that was what was bringing the laws in. It, it possibly is. I mean, certainly I know, I mean, that's the thing is when you actually look, when you look at the, the basics of it is really um, Vulnir's lost everything. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. For everything, everything that he, I mean, let's face it, he's murdered his brother mm. and, uh, and thought he'd murdered his nephew. Mm. <coughs> and then, he himself has been turfed out of the kingdom yeah. and set himself up in Iceland as a slave trader. And it's sort of, you know, it's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly sort of Tony Montana. You know, he's, he's not, he's so, because I think. So you get the impression that it was always like that though, you know, you, you you, you kill somebody else and take everything they've got and you're the king today but then in five years time someone younger and stronger is going to come along and do exactly the same thing to you so you have to kind of enjoy it while you've got it because nothing yeah as you say there is no it's not like there's legislation that's going to hold you in that kingship you're king until someone cuts your head off and it only takes someone younger and stronger mm. than you to take you on so everything is short term in a, in a in that type of lifestyle yeah and you see just how quickly he 
is just re reduced, as you say, to being a slave trading farmer because everything's just been taken away from him and he just escapes with his life. So is ultimately yeah. what he does. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting thing as well because this is one of those, again, that sort of alpha male bullshit thing that you find so often in fucking corporate business where it's all sort of like, oh, you know, it's going to be like Law of the Jungle. Have you read Sun Tzu, The Art of War? <laughs> if, I, if I come in tomorrow and behead you, am I the fucking CEO all of a sudden? Because <laughs> yeah. I'll play that fucking game, mate. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, but again, it's, yeah, there's, I think, um, yeah, coming coming back to the, the CRS, like that was, again, that's an Icelandic uh, thing where they would, have ecstatic visions but i love the fact that you almost get the impression that amleth has pretty much he's prepared to just live this life as a berserker yeah and just be part of these raving parties and just carry on he's almost abased and then she turns up and it's like my eyes were taken by your people mm. and she she almost curses him by reminding him that he said he was going to get revenge. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And ultimately, it is, it is his undoing. You know, and I think that's because it's weird. I usually, usually you watch revenge things and you're like, yeah, fucking, no, no, don't, no, don't, don't, don't wuss out on this. Go and kill mm. the bastard. You know, you really. Yeah. A lot of the time, you do want you want the person you want to, to see get them revenge. to get the revenge. Yeah, yeah. With this, when it got towards the end, and him and Olga were on the ship, and she's like, "Right, I'm pregnant with twins. One of them's going to turn out to be the maiden queen who will rule, you know, for however many years." Yeah, I was just desperately like, "Please, fuck off with her." Yeah, please just up. leave it. You, at she, this, because at this point, what the fuck has Fulnir got? He'd killed. But that's, both yeah, his, I was going to say children, that. Yeah, yeah. His wife. Mm. He's a fucking farmer. It's pretty on lost, the really. Yeah, yeah. It's not a great. And but yeah. again, it's that driving thing of like, oh, but if I don't do this, he's going to come back. Easy. Yeah, he, he didn't go back didn't... after his kingdom, did he? He just no, cleared off and found a nice, quiet place to hide. Well, well also, it turned out. It seems like it was um, the Queen G Gudrun, his mother, who yeah. had twisted Folner into yeah, doing those, taking yeah, those actions. Whole... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, his, his son wasn't wasn't very nice, but he oh, was potentially all right. Yeah. No, that, no. <laughs> Thor, the, the, the proud. The little kid was a prick. Yeah. So I'm glad he got his. And yeah, Volner the prep was just an ass. <laughs> um, he, 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 he really was. Oh god, man! Yeah, and exactly. But <laughs> and again, sort of having gone into the sort of like, oh, just run off with her and have a lovely life and everything else like that. There is also a part of me that's like, that's fucking badass. When he's like, yeah, if you want your son's heart, you've got to fucking come and get me. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's that. No, no, fair enough, mate. Fair play. That's 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 cool. So, <laughs> but the. But yeah, I, uh, the sort of I love the fact that Volnir is almost like a non-entity. Mm. Like yeah. his son, his sons have grown up as sort of you know privileged little mm. tossers, 
And probably by the sounds of it, I think Gudrun is probably making more decisions than he is. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, she's a bit I think, of an nasty bit of work. Yeah. And at the end of it, it's like sort of he's, but again, it's someone doing what they've got to do to. Well, that's, yeah. Through, but yeah. but that, how, how badly that twists you to then try and fuck your son. That's, to, see, that's um, it. It's like, just I, think, I think we might have gone, gone over some sort of line here. <laughs> yeah. But again, <laughs> And actually, that's one of those things where Robert Eggers said about that scene that it was like he really just loved the fact that that was just pure acting. Because he said, I've got all these effects and I've got all these mm. images and the soundtrack and the visuals and all this sort of stuff going on. But actually, that's probably one of the most like hard, hard hitting scenes. Hard yeah. hitting scenes. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally two people. It does, room it does sort of come out of nowhere almost doesn't yeah. it and you're just like what that's <laughs> but this is, but this is the thing so yeah. yeah but I do I just but and yeah so I mean, and it got to that end and I'm like sort of like oh please just mm. run off with him and everything else like that after all that harrowing uh, experience we could do just a nice yeah we could do a nice <laughs> some end. bit of yeah that's that's it as it, a parent I could so raise twins Mm. Or fight Klaus Bang in a vic- in a, a volcano. <laughs> Bring me my sword. I will play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who um, Klaus Bang obviously was Dracula in um, the uh, BBC, the recent BBC one, the Gatiss and oh uh, yeah, um, Moffat. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. got a bit bit of a dark look to him. That yeah. seems like he could pull that off really well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grumpers. Because um, uh, the other thing that was weird is when, when we're going through it, um, is the number of people that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexander Skarsgård is new to the is is new to the show, but obviously Nicole Kidman we last saw in Stoker. Yeah. Uh, Klaus Bang we saw in Dracula. Ethan Hawke was in Sinister. Um, Anna Taylor Joy was obviously in The Witch. By the way, The Witch was episode 10. <laughs> no. I think, really? I think episode 10, September 2017. Mm. And obviously oh. since then, she's done like The Queen's Gambit last night. It's Soho, loads, mm. loads, loads of stuff. I'm um, glad that when we covered that, we all said how good she was and we wanted to see her go somewhere. Because if we went, yeah. she's a bit shit, she'll get forgotten about. How wrong would we look now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was- how wrong we would have been though yeah, well yeah, yeah absolutely but but also the guy uh thoria the proud uh, a guy called gustav lind he's in a tv series called yord scott and i really 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 want to see it because it's basically it's one of those scandy noir sort of crime thrillers and then apparently around about episode four suddenly it's like myths and trolls and other mm. weird shit going on and i'm like mm, that was always <laughs> That's always sounded a sounded a piece of me, you know. So I definitely, uh, uh, I mean, I'm quite shocked when I looked at Willem Dafoe that we haven't. He doesn't actually do that much horror, although he's usually quite a sinister figure mm. within things. I think the nearest that we would have to anything that we would cover would be Shadow of the Vampire. Now that is a good. I've not seen that in a very long time, but that is a yeah. good film. Definitely. I mean, that's something I'd definitely, uh, definitely, we'll have to. It do has got William Defoe in it, so 
yeah we'll have to is. we'll have to do it as um what we'll do is we'll do nosferatu and then do <laughs> i was just about to say do it as a two-parter mm. yeah definitely um bjork did bjork's always done acting but this is the first film she's done in about 20 years because she did a film called dancer in the dark and had such a shitty experience with the director that she was like, oh, I've just quit acting, I can't be fucked. Mm. So, um, and, um, but yeah, she's, um, I didn't realise this, she's, she's back when she was still in the Sugar Cubes, um, she was in an adaption of the Juniper Tree, oh. like the um, grim fairy tale, but it's set in medieval Iceland, and it looks, looks actually pretty, looks pretty good. Oh, cool. Uh, also, the um, Ashilda, the uh, Fulnir's priestess, um, I thought she looked familiar. She's, uh, for a start, she's Mother Marlene in Mandy, oh. the older member of the cult. Uh, but she's also recently been, she's Sally Hardesty in the Netflix Texas Chainsaw sequel. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. I, I haven't seen it, but I've seen her in it. I mean, to be honest, I thought it was Mick Garris, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and apparently um, young Amleth is also currently in another hit film he's playing young Bruce Wayne in The Batman oh. so yeah so he's, he's, it's obviously his year Yeah. Um, but also we've got in there uh, further uh, further family reunions from the witch because obviously Ralph Ineson turns up at the end as the Captain of the boat, who yeah. was the dad in the witch, and Kate Dickey, the yeah. mum in the witch, was uh, one of the um, was uh, apparently she's Haldora the Pict, uh, who was one of uh, the slaves in Fjolnir's uh, camp. Uh, but also in there is Ralph Ineson's daughter Rebecca uh, playing Hal of the Maiden. So yeah, so she's <laughs> but and I I didn't actually think of this, but really. Both of them, since we last, since we saw the witch, both of them turned up in the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they are just part of the A twenty four medieval yeah. badassery <laughs> crew, yeah. aren't they? They just have to be involved somewhere. Yeah. Um, and um, also, um, Kate Dickey's in a film called Shepherd that I've been meaning to catch up, and which looks very good. Like a, uh, uh, I think it's like sort of a horror film set on like the uh, Hebrides. Okay. Um, again, looks like it's going to be cold and miserable. So, you know, um, um, look, I'll definitely have to uh, look out for that. Yeah. Chris, uh, there you go. There's your uh, Christmas Eve viewing all sorted out for you. <laughs> you chirpy sod. I have to say that the guy who was the, the he witch, as he's described, played by Ingvar Sigurdsson, who was the guy who had Willem Dafoe's head, um, I was fucking convinced that was Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, really? He really sounded like him. And I was like, oh, well, he's probably got his dad in, you know? You, no. Do you know what I mean? You, you automatically expect that it's sort of like, oh, you know, he had a, he had a spare afternoon, so he came over and played the See, witch. I just kept waiting for him to go, what is your favourite colour? Yeah. Because it just reminded <laughs> me of that character. <laughs> How do you know so much about Ravens? <laughs> Know these things if you're a Viking. So, 
one of the one of the touches that he added in this that he hasn't done any in any of his previous films, um, and and I think it worked really well in this was those cutaway scenes where you saw like the people hanging on the tree of life, um, mm, and yeah. the Valkyrie and stuff like those cutaway images of the kind of realm of the gods, I suppose it is. Mm. Um, yeah, they worked really well. I thought that was a really good way yeah. segueing at some points from scene to scene they'd kind of show them in this greater scale and uh, yeah I, I thought it worked really well but it was, I suppose it's it, yeah 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 like say hasn't done it but yeah it definitely did give you an epic sense like the the sort of ongoing legend of your i get you know it's their bloodline but yeah. to really try and give you a sense of the scale that they were trying to think on mm. And I, I think also the, I mean, I love, especially because it obviously, because it comes back at the end, but mm. where he, in his in his mind, is flown to Valhalla by Valkyries. But I love the fact that he hallucinates Olga as a Valkyrie when she puts him across the horse. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's one and, of the images they show in the... Um, like it comes up on IMDb, and it's like, it's yeah, it's quite an odd image. It really is, um, yeah. but I think that the, but again, there's just so much, and again, it's that thing of that Alan Moore wrote um, a book called Voice of the Fire, and it's set, it's set over a series of time periods, and the very first part of it is set. Um, in essentially the Stone Age, so it's like cavemen. So not only did he restrict his vocabulary because they were certain things that they wouldn't necessarily have a angle on to be able to describe or realise, mm. but he also does a really interesting thing in there is that he doesn't separate dreams from any other part of the narrative. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so I laid down under a tree and then this happens and then a fox came over and then I'm standing in a lake and then and then I'm back by the tree again. And it's sort of like, and again, I like that. It, that has that similar sort of feel where everything in there is, it's as real to them mm. as it would be. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, because their religion does play a large part. You do see an awful lot of their ceremonies and stuff in this because uh, I think they all... Um, pray to Freya don't they when they're when yeah, they go that's, to the um yeah to the farm and he, he's got like a, a like a shrine set up and stuff there like it's yeah it was nice yeah. to bring all of that in as well and sort of try and although it mm. only touches on it very briefly it's nice to have it all in there as part of the world building to give you a much bigger overview of of what their day-to-day -day life was like rather than just focusing on the story yeah mm. and that important and that importance that it would have played yeah. You know, that's that's that that's as vitally important as the harvest, as growing crops, as building. You know, it's yeah. sort of like no, we we pay our uh, tribute to the gods. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting that he that uh, 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 excuse me, uh, Vulnia had moved to Freya because obviously um, uh, the oh, what is the, what's the bloody foot. Oh, come here, Ethan Hawk. Show me your name. Go on, mate. Uh, Urvandil Warraven. Bloody hell, I wish I'd looked. Uh, Ethan Hawk's character, um, he was uh, 
Oh, yeah, uh, they worship. They were Odin worshippers. Yeah. So it's interesting that he's sort of switched he's to the legion. War, yeah, and then obviously move to Freya for the fertility of the land yeah. and stuff to try and. So yeah, it's it, yeah, it is cool. It's yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm fucking blown away. I have to mm. say, I even like the the bit with the. I mean, even that's like genuine, like Icelandic mythology. Is that the bit where he fights the mound dweller? That big knight in yeah. That, that was the bit that reminded me of Conan, where he goes to get the sword. Mm. It's like yeah. the legendary sword. Yes, you know, magical. Um, but obviously, yeah, it comes to light. Um, but yeah, what, what were you going to say? But they're, well, they're 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 a they're an actual figure called uh, Draugurs or mm. Draugurs, um, and apparently there is a ship in Eve Online called it. Uh, might be more recent than you guys being on there. Yeah, I don't know. Poss- possibly. Um, but they are they're uh, an actual specific undead creature from Scandinavian uh, yeah. myth. Um, which are corpses that have become uh, corpses that have become so greedy that they protect mm. their barrow from grave robbing, uh. and it's meant to, which is an interesting term because it's usually the sort of mummy sort of thing of like in Egyptian law where it's like no, you're protecting it because these are your riches. Yeah. Whereas this is almost like well, it, you can't take it with you, but this this one is. That's why he's not moved on. He's mm. like this living corpse. Uh, and apparently, the way you can often tell them is they will either be standing or sitting rather than laying. And in yeah. this, I think he's he's, he's sat down. Sitting, isn't he? he's sitting, yeah. yeah. Funny you said about and, Eve Online when I was reading the book. Sorry, just to interject mm-hmm. something completely unrelated. Um, when I was reading the the Norse mythology uh, book, you found quite a lot. I of found another one. That was the or, name oh, of uh, yeah, yeah of one of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might have been the. Uh, Galente Titan, possibly. Uh, yeah, was in there as well. I can't remember what it was now, but yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. So obviously, Eagle is made in Iceland. So, of course, it's got yeah. all this mythology still as a, in the forefront of their minds. And again, Robert Eggers wrote this with, um, I'm going to say this wrong, Sion, aka Sion Sigurdsson. Uh, who now goes by Sean now, so he's obviously gone Elvis on us. Yeah. <laughs> old um, who also wrote um, Dancer in the Dark, which was that Bjork film I was talking about. Mm. And also the A24 film Lamb. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Mm. No. It's um, very recent, and basically two people give birth to a human lamb. Uh I've I've not seen it myself, and there are a few people. I think I've, uh, there are a few people who've seen it, and I think they were all a bit sort of. You can you can go to a twenty four sometimes, <laughs> but I think I think I think it's just a bit too sort of like overtly odd. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it might it might be great. I would I'll still reserve judgment until I've seen it, but I haven't sort of sorted it out. Um, but he's also. A, uh, he's also an author and has written uh, from the mouth of the whale and the blue fox and stuff. Um, and again, this is part of that thing that I really love with Robert Eggers is apparently he just kept going. He was talking to him and it was like, look, I've brought you in because I want to do this, but I have no, you know, I have no connection to 
Icelandic law or to Scandinavia or anything else like that. So he really brought him in to ensure that everything was right and correct. But also he was like, like when the ending, like he's like, oh, so I want him to come back and he's going to fight him in a volcano. Is that really shit in Hollywood? Or does that, <laughs> still, does that feel right for this? Um, and um, and obviously got the go ahead. Apparently, it does feel the, very Norse mythology. Yeah, I think it does. Fighting yeah. <laughs> sold on sold in a middle of an erupting volcano feels very Norse mythology. Well, apparently that's meant to be the genuine Icelandic volcano of Mount Hecla, uh, and that translates to gates Heck. of hell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, um, I must confess, I was originally a bit upset when I saw that Mark Colvin wasn't doing the music because I really loved The Witch and I loved the stuff for um, uh, The Lighthouse as well. Mm. Um, but the two they've got on here, uh, Robin uh, Caroline and Sebastian Gainsborough, fuck me, it's a fucking amazing soundtrack. <laughs> 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 um, and again, they like were speaking to uh, uh, an ethno-musicologist who, to check that they, to sort of like try and get the right kind of instruments that would be usable. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found that was really fascinating though is that apparently they're not sure just because of no historical sort of nothing historical has uh, uh, archaeologically has been shown. They don't think that drums were particularly important in to uh, Viking music. Okay. Um, which is something, obviously, they've kept, they have drums. I mean, they've got yeah. fucking electronics in there. It's not exactly, you know, it's yeah. not, they're not sort of really going for that. But um, yeah, apparently, so that sort of thing of like, you know, where it's like the boom, boom, boom yeah. to keep the stroke of the thing, that's probably bollocks. Oh, so, okay. you know, there's no, yeah, so it looks like they didn't, I mean, do you need percussion when you're wearing a fucking wolf's head? <laughs> and burning villages to the ground. Probably not. You've probably got all your aggression out there. Yeah, yeah. So, certainly not lost the chuck off your eye hat, you know. Yeah. So. And your minstrels are definitely a target as well, you know. I mean, you couldn't have yeah. great musicians <laughs> to take with you because they'd probably be oh. a bit busy. Yeah, yeah. Don't shoot me. Shoot, shoot the bloke with yeah. <laughs> Cool. Right. Excellent. So, I think that is a definite recommend from all of us. Mm. Um, I, I Adam recommended when we came out of the cinema, actually, that I watch Valkyrie Rising, which I've now... Mm. Uh, Val, no, Valhalla Rising. Valhalla sorry. Rising. Yes. Um, it's because I've got the picture of the Valkyrie up in front of me. I was surprised. Oh. Um, but I, am, I have got it on the shelf and it's ready to go. So I'm going to be checking that out at some point. But uh, I hadn't... I was trying to get through the book in time in case any of it was relevant, so I haven't got back to that. But, uh, yeah, I shall mention that on a later episode. So, next episode. Uh, now, Ooh, I don't yeah. know what to do with this one, I'm going to admit, because it's my birthday choice. <laughs> but mm. what we're watching for my birthday choice, I have purchased for Chris for his birthday. So, if I tell Ooh. him what we're covering next... <laughs> He needs to know that it's coming <laughs> so that he doesn't go and source it elsewhere. To yeah. watch it. So do I tell him now or do we announce the episode in a couple in a week's time after this goes up? Um, I think uh, decision, uh, decision with Chris. 
I, I could I can handle it. It'll be a surprise <laughs> now, and it'll be you know still yeah. just as much fun to get it. And fair enough. Right, so we are covering a very different film uh, following this one. It couldn't be more chalk and cheese. So for our next episode, we are going to be covering the amazing I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle uh, starring Neil Morrissey. So it's a film everyone should have on their shelf, even if for no other reason than what a talking point. Um, yeah, it's... Daft as arseholes and it's got C-3PO in it. You can't go wrong. So, <laughs> I have not heard of it before. I mean, you might have mentioned it, perhaps. Uh, so Arrow released it this year just before Christmas. So Adam bought it for himself and got me a copy for Christmas. So uh, I have bought you a copy, Chris, for your birthday excellent. so that we can watch it. Yeah, we can all watch that. the lovely, shiny Arrow. Anthony bit. Daniels, Neil Morrissey. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. I, yeah, I think it was probably around the time of Boone, seeing as it stars Michael Elphick and uh, Neil Morrissey. Yeah. But Baker's uh, in there, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, what an absolutely lunatic film! I, since Adam bought it for me, I've watched it twice already this year, and I'm looking forward to watching it a third time. <laughs> all I can all I can say is, I'm I'm fairly proud to say that we are probably one of the few podcasts <laughs> that could do the Northman and then <laughs> I'm a vampire motorcycle. I would defy if we are not, if we've not got the jump on that one. <laughs> Nobody can say we don't mix it up on this show. That's true. Right. Anyway, so thanks very much for listening, everybody. Go and check out The Northman if you haven't already. Mm. As I said, I know we've kind of discussed it, but it's such a beautiful film. It's mm. it's just an absolute treat for the eyes. And, and, and the, as we say, the soundtrack as well. So mm. it's just a fantastic cinematic experience. So go and check out The Northman. And then at the very other end of the scale, if you want daft, slapstick, ridiculous comedy, Get ready for our next episode and go and watch I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. Thanks ever so much for listening and good night. Good night. Good night. Hello, it's actually an 18. <laughs>